Hello and welcome to Harlan First and Monroe Chapel United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to tune in this way to hear the sermons. Today we are continuing our series of sermons that we started last week. And we're looking at the early years of Jesus' life. The time after he was born, but before he starts his ministry as an adult. Now, last Sunday, we focused on the story of the Magi, or what we commonly know of as the three wise men. And we're going to be continuing that story, but from a different angle, focusing instead more on King Herod than the Magi. So you may recall that after visiting Jesus, the Magi left by another route. They did not go back and tell Herod where he was. So we're just starting off right where we left off. But first of all, we need to know, who is King Herod? Well, Herod, also known as Herod the Great, was the Roman-appointed king of Judea during the time of Jesus' birth. The Jewish people did not appoint their own king anymore. This was done by the Romans. And Herod is known for some good things during his rule, during his administration. He's known for building many fortresses, aqueducts, theaters, and other public buildings. And he generally raised the prosperity of the land. So he was good for the economy, you could say. But there was also a dark streak in his character that showed more and more as he got older. Mental instability was somewhat I guess you could say accelerated by intrigue and deception within his own family. In a course of time, he murdered his wife, two of his wife's sons, his wife's brother, grandfather, and mother. Now, I don't want you to think that that means that he killed his whole family because he had eight other wives and 14 children. Now, the slaying of the infants in Bethlehem, that were the part of the story that we're focusing on today, would have taken place shortly before King Herod's death. And it's, it's very believable. It's completely consistent with his character. When it comes to King Herod, one thing that we learn is that when it comes to leaders, character does matter. Now, you may remember from last week that when the Magi came and asked King Herod where the newborn king of the Jews was and that they had come to worship him, Herod was extremely paranoid. He wanted them to come back to tell him where this child was so he could worship him, supposedly, but he actually wanted to kill the child. However, as I said earlier, the Magi, the wise men, were wise and returned by another route and did not tell him where this child was. And so what King Herod did next is one of the more horrifying stories in the Bible, the part of the Christmas story we don't like to think about. According to the story, an angel appears in a dream to Joseph and tells him that they need to flee from this political violence, ASAP, leave the country, and go to Egypt as refugees. And so that's what they do. Mary, Joseph take their child, and they leave in the middle of the night, and they stay in Egypt, whom evidently offered them asylum, until Herod passed away, which, as we saw earlier, would not have been a long time since Herod was nearing death at this point anyway. So it's a good thing that they left, because when Herod realized that the Magi were not returning, he ordered that all boys in Bethlehem, two years and under, be killed. A horrific thing. Jesus was saved, but this is a story of sadness, for the other children were not. 
Now, after Herod died, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus eventually find their way home to Nazareth. But what we have here in this story is a stark contrast between the governmental seat of power in the world at the time and the real power of God shown most fully not through power, but through meekness and humble circumstances. I mean, really, this is the same theme we've seen throughout the Christmas story. Instead of choosing people of wealth and influence, God chooses Mary and Joseph. Instead of giving them the royal treatment, they appear to be the victims of a tax census. And yet God was moving in these things, in these situations, and many people failed to notice. After Jesus was born, the good news was announced not to King Herod, but to the shepherds and magi. It's interesting that God was more more interested in leading the magi of a Zoroastrian faith to visit Jesus than he was the king of the Jews. Herod, with all of his power and paranoia, could not stop this from happening. He could not stop the Savior of the world being born right under his nose. Nonetheless, this was and is a sad, sad story. The story of an insecure ruler who was so threatened by the birth of Jesus and his possible loss of power that he tried to stop it through violence, and innocent people died as a result. Violence, unfortunately, is and has been a way of life throughout history, including in the Christmas story. Oftentimes, it's viewed as the answer to our problems when we cannot get what we want in any other way. And I do want to acknowledge the complexity of the issue, especially when we talk about things like war to defend the defenseless or self-defense to protect your family, those you love and care for. It gets complicated. But I'm talking about the kind of violence used just because you don't get your way or to get revenge. I'm talking about the kind of violence perpetrated by those in power because they can rather than should. This is the kind of violence King Herod ordered. He had power. He was power hungry. He didn't want to let it go. And he was going to use any means to keep it, including violence. Folks, violence like this is not the way of Jesus. Ever. And as Christians, we must do all we can to denounce it, to pray, and to work for peace. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does not say, Blessed are those who pursue violence, for they will be called children of God. No. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. In fact, I want to read for you the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. These are the words of Jesus. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the, here we go, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus was a Messiah, He was the Messiah prophesied to bring peace. He was called the Prince of Peace, and his kingdom would call people to beat their swords into plowshares and to study war no more. His birth was announced by angels proclaiming peace on earth. 
Jesus is the one who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and wept over the city because, as he put it, they did not know the things that would make for peace. He taught that we should turn the other cheek, bless those who hate us, and love our enemies. He rebuked the disciples when they wanted to call down fire from heaven on those who opposed them. He disarmed Peter, and he told Pilate that his kingdom was not of this world and that if it was, his disciples would fight. It is Jesus who said to those who were crucifying him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Violence is not the way of Jesus, and it has no place in the life of those who claim to follow him. And if it is ever used, it should only be in cases where you may be defending the defenseless, and even then it should be seen as a grievous act. I'm sure like many people are, I am also saddened by the events of this past week, where a mob of people felt that breaking into the U.S. Capitol, forcing legislators to flee, and attacking security was somehow justifiable because they were not getting what they wanted out of the election. I should also note that not everybody who was there did this. Many people who were there were a part of what they considered to be a peaceful protest, and so not all people who were there were involved in what happened at the Capitol. But as so often happened in this past year, there were extremists within the group that decided to take things further. Now, it doesn't excuse it. It doesn't somehow make what the smaller yet large group did better. And I'm sure that there were some who justified their actions using their religion. The words and actions of Jesus can be twisted to support anything a person wants, no matter how ridiculous. But make no mistake, these actions were not of Christ, nor were the actions or words of any who may have encouraged it. Our words matter just as much as our actions do. And even though we have free speech... We are not free to call out fire in a crowded place. In other words, we are not to use our freedom to cause harm. As Christians, we are called to be people of peace. As I shared in my Advent sermon of that same title, we are called not to sow division, but to be bridge builders, as I shared earlier this year. And we accomplish this both through our words and our actions, that our actions and our words might be peaceful, because one can lead to the other. As I shared during my Facebook Live prayer earlier this week, though, if we want peace to prevail in society, it's not going to happen just by praying for it. God is not going to just wave a magic wand and make everything peaceful or Christ-like. God is not going to override our free will and make that happen. It just doesn't seem to be the way that he works. And actually, if he did, that would be a form of violence. Because to take away someone's free will is to take away their consent. No, there are some things in this world that as powerful as prayer is, prayer alone is not going to help. Thoughts and prayers are not the answer to acts and patterns of violence. Peaceful words, attitudes, Actions and policies are the answer to violence. Peace, ultimately, though, starts with you. It starts with what you have the power to do to live a life of peace and to encourage others to do the same. And I don't want you to think that this isn't already happening. It is. All over the world, Christians and non-Christians alike are living out lives of peace and seeking peaceful solutions to problems. It's just that peace doesn't make the headlines as much as violence does. So, 
it would be easy to assume that most people are bad or that most people are violent. And while it is true that we are all sinful, I don't believe that most people are bad. I think that there are more good, decent people who want to bless others and help the world make the world a better, more peaceful place than there are bad people. In fact, I think that there are many peacemakers right here in our own communities and within our own congregations. Because you see, the good news of all of this is that even one of the most powerful men in the world at the time, King Herod, could not use all of his power to thwart the purposes of God. Yes, it was still horrible. Yes, innocent people died. But he could not stop the nonviolent Messiah from being born and ultimately saving the world. This Messiah of peace, Jesus, is still at work in our world through you and me. And no matter how much evil or violence or darkness there may be in the world, God's purposes will not be thwarted. For as it says in the Gospel of John, when speaking of the advent of Jesus, the light has come to shine in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Thanks be to God. God bless and have a great week. I do have one announcement to share with you. Uh, this sermon is for January 10th. Our bishop has decided not to extend the closure beyond the 10th. And so that means that for our church, we will be resuming in-person worship services at both of our churches starting January 17th. Weekly activities at Harlan First United Methodist Church begin on the 11th, although not all ministry activities are starting up right away. So be sure to be in touch with those organizers of those events and be looking for more announcements. So we will be resuming on the 17th worship at um, Monroe Chapel and at Harlan First United Methodist Church at the normal worship times, 8.45 and 10.30. Uh, we will continue to follow precautions of wearing masks, distancing six feet, and refraining from singing. And we look forward to the time when the vaccines are freely available to all and that we can return to a somewhat normal life. But until then, we continue knowing that our faith is strong enough to carry us through these difficult times, to look to the future with hope, and to continue to trust in God. For faith is stronger than any adversity that we may have to go through. Have a great week.